The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are at the Visual Workplace. I am your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. That means we look at some aspect of that in each of our shows, almost each of our shows. How to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living dynamic landscape of work through visual devices, visual solutions, visual systems. How do we install the language of operational excellence into the workplace itself, into the work environment as visual devices, making it concrete and specific? Even if we are not quite as excellent as we wish we would be or as we know we will be, but we install that level so that we can see it behave. Because when we put our intelligence into devices, the devices then tell us how we think. It's our feedback mechanism. We see our thinking is complete, it's accurate, it's safe. Or we see that it's not. To some extent, it is not. And then we do an iteration, we do another cycle of visual thinking, and our devices become stronger, and our operational system becomes tighter and more effective, more efficient, more streamlined, more intelligent. As we get smarter, visual devices that we create get smarter. We do our iterations. This is what the visual workplace is about. And why do we bother? We bother for the splendid bottom line benefits. 15 to 30% increase in productivity, we see it all the time. This is especially if you are working on the operations level of operator and supervisor. And then you bring in your material handling, your visual pull systems, shrinking costs, aligned delivery time, better quality, fantastic. And you also get a splendid cultural alignment. And the reason you do is because visuality is a language and all language all language connects. And this is a hard, um, what do you call it, kind of hard copy, not virtual language. It's a language you can touch. And you build this language in your workplace and your workforce is connected through these devices, through our intelligence. 
we have this wonderful cultural alignment. And the third thing is, you know what? We enjoy ourselves at work. The struggle is, if not evaporated, it is greatly minimized, and we're working on making it go away completely. We are making the workplace as conscious as we are, as fluid as we are, as self-reflective and self-aware and self-responsive as we are. Oh, wonderful. This is what this show is about. We are now in, is it our fifth year or our sixth year? I think we just clocked over into our sixth year. It seems incredible to me. We have about 70,000 people listening a week. They're not listening live because they're from all over the world, but many, many will simply download the podcast, and we want you to do that. They are free on our website, visualworkplace.com. They are searchable by topic and by tag on our website. We want you to utilize them in buckets of their logic by these topics, and we want you to learn through the radio, (laughs) visual radio. Here we are, visual workplace radio. So welcome, welcome. Just a few announcements. I want to tell you that I'll be back. It looks as though I'll be back in Mexico next February. Very likely we will do a training of trainers and work that makes sense and several public seminars. We are in alliance with the OPEX Academy that is led by Abel Gomez Mondinas, who is also the Shingo, um, the Shingo Center of Mexico. There is one other Shingo group, but the one that I know is the OPEX Academy, and they're doing an amazing job. They're in a city called Queretaro, and I will tell you, you go to Queretaro, change your mind about Mexico. Whatever you think Mexico is, if you've never been there, go to Queretaro, and you will see a growing, dynamic economy, people finding their independence, finding their democracy, finding their way. It's very, very good. And our next U.S.-based public seminar is also in February, the very last week. It's going to be in Minnesota. And please check our website, visualworkplace.com, for details. They'll be up soon. And at the end of March, I go to Australia for a series of public events, a conference, and then we're going to cut a swath across that magnificent land for most of April, including New Zealand. I've never been there. I really am so grateful for my work. It brings me brings me the world. Even this show brings me you to me and me to you. I think it's marvelous. We are sponsored in Australia by Jeff Naylor of SIRF, which is a group that brings in a lot of learning to that fine, fine continent. And I am expecting to be in England and London in early December for some on-site work, not public work. So I want to encourage you on your visual journey, and as part of that, please get acquainted with the many ways that you can get acquainted with the visual workplace and with us. There are books, there are seminars, benchmarking tours, training of trainers. Check out our website, become a member, it's free, and you can access a lot of extra materials in your membership bin, and you can also come to our website for our searchable podcasts our searchable newsletter articles. I write one almost almost every single week. You can find out about our schedule. You can watch the videos on our video gallery. And the newest member of our team, Derek Newts, is restructuring our entire website. I've seen it. He's allowed me to peek. It's really cool. It's going to be greatly streamlined, and uh, we think that you'll like it a lot. So there are lots and lots of ways for you to learn more and go further. We want to support you in that. 
the important thing is that you continue and you get visual and then you get more visual. It will really change everything. Today, let's move on to today. Today, we continue what I call our march (laughs) through the 25 leadership tasks that I consider core before you implement and as you implement in order to prepare for and to support the outcomes that you want, outcomes that will be sustainable because of these 25 leadership tasks. We did three last week. We're going to pick up four this week. We're in the set that is for executives or senior managers, things that need to be done before you train your first person And then we'll move on to a before set for trainers and supervisors and then a during set for trainers and supervisors. And then we'll have a few add-ons that are just icing on the cake. But we consider these tasks to be pre-implementation or let's say, I better say it in this way, to be insurance, the insurance that your implementation will work, will produce. You know, what we're doing in the executive set is we're setting up an infrastructure. I talked a lot about this last week and gave you definitions about it being an interconnected set of elements that enables an infrastructure, enables a larger structure to happen, such as we see in our cities with their road systems and water supply and sewer and electrical grids. Okay. Well, it's the same way with an implementation. You have an improvement infrastructure. And that's what we're talking about with these first seven tasks that are for your senior managers. You, a senior manager, have invested in the outcome. You know your company needs. You've named it. You know the change you want. You've brought in a methodology. And you're going to make sure that that methodology pays off by putting certain principles, or you you could call them tasks. They're very, very close. The principle is the anchor point for the task, but the task makes the principle real. Hmm? You put these in place. So, to make sure that you will uh, get the outcome you want. If you don't do it, and, and that's what I mean by calling these core tasks. I believe that if you skip any of these core tasks, that you will have missed achieving your outcome we can predict it or you will break the outcome if it happens it will not be sustainable last week i for example talked to you about the importance in principle of declaring the outcomes you seek before the launch not just an improvement in our kpis but a larger context a framework of thinking Mm -hmm. and i spoke of shooting for a showcase as one of those outcomes, I named three of them, that demonstrate the function of the outcome, of what you see will happen, what will change. You shoot for a showcase. You make sure you have a showcase as an anchor point, a visual showcase. And I also spoke of the importance of documented results. Yes, you want your KPIs to shift. Of course you do. And then I spoke of a third, which was that you as the leader declare that you want people to learn to learn to show up, to stay open, and to learn as an outcome. 
Because that's saying the people side is not only important, but it's going to take some effort. It doesn't happen by accident. So let's get ourselves ready for learning. Let's stay open. Let's show up. Let's tell the truth. You may not think of this as a task, but I do. Because if you don't do it, or if you delegate it, your success is dinged. A little piece of it evaporates. A little piece of what was possible is no longer possible because this was skipped, or in this case, you delegated. Okay, These are senior management tasks. Don't find a good project manager who does it in your name. Take the time, the little bit of time that it is required to make sure that the message is sent okay, and it is received. We can do so much more when we implement than simply get the results named in the marketing brochure. We, you as a senior manager, manager can turn your improvement investment into much larger outcomes if you take a moment and name those larger outcomes from the get-go. Set the frame so that we understand that this is a transformation, not just a process. That's a leadership task. Or you might be, for example, set, setting up a new mini-procedure. I spoke last week about setting up your accountability team, which I called your three-legged stool. People who have raised their hand to say that they want this outcome, they want to be held accountable, and, and they are capable of it. That they are qualified to take the ownership, the leadership, and uh, make, make, make the outcomes happen. When I talk about making the outcomes happen, this is a very complex event, these outcomes, this transformation. Someone needs to take responsibility for it. Someone needs to hold themselves accountable. Someone needs to say, we have a problem here, let's solve it, instead of just letting the implementation find its own level, because it won't find a very high one without human beings tending to it. It's just like any kind of a change. Okay? And the last thing I spoke about last week was identifying a vision place, a location that you know outside the company that looks pretty close to what you want inside the company. And you use that. You visit it. You use it as an anchor point until you have a vision place, this showcase that I referred to earlier, a showcase of your own inside the company to anchor the transformation. So that was what was happening last week. This week, we're going to tackle four new tasks, the ones that remain in the executive set. I'll name them before we go into the break. And they are develop your laminated map. That's your focus. Publish your improvement time policy. It's talking about resources. Get your supervisors on board. And the last one for today, get maintenance on board. So we're going into our first break. I'll see you. I'll be here when you get back. That's right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. 
With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Hi, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and you are at the Visual Workplace. This is the second second segment of our show today, where we are talking about the 25 leadership tasks. We are asking leaders to walk the talk, and we are telling them how. So is it realistic to troubleshoot your next improvement initiative before it gets started? Can you really plan your failures away, even when lots of people are involved? The answer that I have to both those questions is a resounding yes. That if you are prepared to put these 25 leadership tasks in place, and some of them are very, very simple, they're later on down the list, and they are done by others than you Miss Plant Manager or Miss CEO or Mr. GM, if you get these tasks in place, you are going to be in a very, very solid situation because the tasks themselves support principles of success, your success principles. These are tasks or behaviors that prepare us for success. They may trigger a set of early victories that allow the company, for example, to build momentum, moving from strength to strength. But they are done, for the ones that I'm talking about last week and this week, before the first person gets trained. So let's look at the laminated map, which we, which you are going to use to target the change. Okay. The laminated map, well, have you noticed when faced with a large job, some people just get overly ambitious and want to do everything at once, only to end up getting none of it done? We often see this when a company leader will declare, I want this entire plant transformed to lean or TWI or visual by December 31st, and it's, well, maybe not November, but maybe it's June. Let's do it. Let's just do it. Get it over with. doesn't happen like that. Others, when faced with a large project, just start by feeling so overwhelmed, even before they start, that they never start. 
And the same thing can happen when we're doing a visual conversion. One of the early problems in a conversion happens when management bites off more than it can chew, goes too fast, too wide. The organization can't handle that amount of change, and as importantly, it usually has not learned how to change. It doesn't know how to change. And what we want to do, if in the visual conversions we do this all the time, is to use the opportunity of the conversion to teach the organization also how to change so that they can continue doing that after visuality is in place. The main tool, there's several of them, but I consider this to be absolutely foundational. The main tool that we use is something called the laminated map. The laminated map, briefly, is simply a map of your facility that shows the departments, doesn't need to have a, the electrical grid on it, doesn't need to have the machinery in place. It just needs to have the natural work areas, what you would call departments. And you put a boundary, sorry, and you laminate that. You have the map, you laminate it. And then you get out your magic marker, your markers, uh, water-soluble markers and your rulers and a little set of dots, little set of transparent removable dots. Avery sells them. You put a boundary around the entire building. If you have several, then around each building. It's much, it's much more challenging when you have several buildings. So we're going to keep to one. You'll get the, you'll get the approach, and then you can multiply it if you have multiple sites on the same campus. You put a boundary around the whole building, and then you put a boundary around each, around each department. You include the aisles and the hallways as belonging to one department or another, or as, if you will, a natural work area of its own. Maybe maintenance owns the hallways. But every piece of the real estate is owned, and you bound it with this... With this magic, with this water soluble marker, we use vis a vis. And we usually use it blue. So we put a blue boundary around the building and around each department. And we simply see, we begin to see the architecture of the plant. And we do this because we're going to ask and answer the question during this session, and it usually takes about two hours. Where do we begin? Where do we begin our implementation? Where do we implement first? And why? Why are we choosing that area? There are two ways for this to happen. I'm going to describe both of them. The first is to simply put your supervisors, and I want to emphasize supervisors, not managers, around the areas they're responsible for, sit them all around the table and have them draw the laminated map as they draw this laminated map with a pencil, I'm sorry, with a vis-a-vis marker, marker, lots of rulers, with a little cup of water and Q-tips because they're going to make mistakes. They'll get to know their plant very well, much better than you think they do right now because they're actually looking at it through a new lens. And this will take about 45 minutes, and there'll be a lot of discussion about where boundaries are. The senior manager is in the room, but sitting off in the corner, staring out the window, just waiting. He'll be used, she'll be used shortly. 
When that map is done, you put a blue dot in each of those areas. And if you have the hallway separated out as somebody else's real estate, you put a blue dot in that. And it should be actually a single blue dot, but if you have a huge plan, it'll be very hard to see. No, you break down the. You have to break down the hallways. That's a kind of detail. Don't stumble on it. Figure it out. The blue dot means one thing. It means we are not going to implement in this area yet. So by putting a blue dot everywhere, you're saying not yet to everything. But it sets you up for the next step, which is your decision step. So you're not committing. But your map is ready, and now if you're doing the supervisor thing, as I'm suggesting you can do, supervisors around the table, the supervisors have done this work, put, put the blue dots in place, and the question is, where should we begin? There's only one rule for this in terms of the decision-making is that if you've got your eye in another supervisor's area to begin because maybe his place is a so-called pigsty or it's an irritant to you in one way or another, you can offer that idea, but every supervisor has an automatic veto power, the word no, if they are not interested in having an implementation start in their area. It's just no. They don't have to explain themselves and they don't have to answer your questions. It's just no. So you look around and you see the Acme Gridley, I'm sorry, you see the Davenport area is a pigsty and you say, hey, let's go to your area, Charlie, the Davenport area. And Charlie looks at you and he says no. And he graces you with a reason. He said, I'm getting three machines in the next six months. I'm going to have my hands full. Please leave me alone. And everybody backs off. Chip processing raises their hand. We're in a screw, a screw machine company now, by the way, in my imagination and now in yours. And chip processing says, look, my place is a pigsty. I want the resources. I volunteer. Okay. And the dot color changes. You remove the blue dot and you put in its stead. Please don't pile these up because you'll have, no, you'll have black very, very quickly when you start layering these transparent dots. The dot changes to red. And red simply means let's get started. We have a long way to go. And that's the first decision. That's going to be the first area where you implement. The senior management is there. Senior manager is there making sure that the laminated map process gets done. That's his task. But you see he's not doing it. But he stays in the room because he's the one in charge of the faucet. He's the one who will say, we have enough improvement, we can't absorb anymore, or we can't allow anymore because of our production demand, but I want us to begin. We're going to stop at one department. But in this case, he said, no, let's move on to a second department because chip processing had like three people in it. And he wanted to test the methodology and get started in a more robust way. And so they went to look for a second company. Well, um, uh, excuse me, a second department unbeknownst to everyone, this is an actual real situation, uh, Joe raises his hand and says, I want a red dot. Everybody in the table turns to him and they say no. That was a surprise. They said, no, don't do it, Joe. Because they knew that Joe had 30 screw machines. 
very complex mechanisms. It was a world of work. And it was more work than any supervisor would ever take on in their life because it was so much work. And he said, no, you don't understand. The guys are really chomping at the bit. They've made me promise that I would come home with a yes because they heard about this happening and they want to be included. They're raring to go. Well, everybody in the room turns to the plant manager and says, what do you think, boss? And the boss thinks about it and he thinks, oh, my God, I'm doomed. But I got it. You know, this is a great opportunity. I can't say no to it. He said, okay, we'll go with Acme Gridley, but that will be the last one in this cycle. And the blue dot changes to red. We remove the blue dot. We put the red in place. And he says, that's enough. That's our first cycle. That's where we're going to begin. And that's where they begin. So that's one way to do it with your supervisors. And you need to decide which of these two ways to use the map is right for you. In that case, in the first case, where the supervisors are involved, you as a senior manager know that you have training capability and implementation capability, and all they need to do is decide and your trainers will take over and make magic happen through the methodology. The second way is for you to first identify the success factors. And you can do this with a senior management team, with your trainers and your CI specialists, and say, what is the profile of where we want to begin this implementation? So you precast it, and then you pre-select. Of course, you consult with your supervisor and make sure that that factor is in place that the supervisor is willing, and you select in that way. Those are two different ways of selecting. One is the comp- if the company already has strength, and the second one is if the company knows it needs to build its strength, we have to pre-select on the basis of criteria that gives us the best chance for success. I'm going to go over those a uh, little bit of those criteria. This isn't a full the full skinny on, uh, on laminated map, but I want you to see how it is a senior decision-making task. We'll pick this up when we come back from our break, which we're sliding into right now. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Welcome back to the third section of our show today where we're walking through our next set of management or I should say, I beg your pardon, leadership tasks to build and sustain your visual conversion. And we are on the first task of today. It takes us a little bit of a while because it is a very important one, but it has some layers and it's called using your laminated map. You're using your laminated map, senior managers, to enable you to do your most important job. Let me change that. One of your most difficult jobs, and here it is, to say yes to the few and wait to the many. This is a difficult but key part of every senior manager's job, to say yes to the few and wait to the many. And so you have your laminated map. It's laminated. You've boarded it out. You've got your blue dots in place, and you're now... In the second, you're in the second option of how to use the map, and you're going to select where to begin, where you're going to say yes, based on criteria. And you can have a set like this. We're going to choose this, our, our area, and maybe there'll be two, based on high visibility, that it's a bottleneck area, that it's new to visuality, that's a challenging area, that it has a single shift so that we don't get completely overwhelmed, and that it has a supportive supervisor. The supervisor will say yes, has said yes. Or you could use a different, really a reverse set, something like this. It's not highly visible. It's out of the way. It's not a bottleneck area because we have problems enough. We don't want to be overambitious. It is already familiar with visuality. Maybe it has already gone through 5S. And so we're really ready for the next step. Maybe it's not challenging. Maybe it's better for it to be an easy win area. Maybe we will stick with a single shift because it's our first cycle. And maybe we'll choose this because a customer is going to audit audit it in about three and a half months. And that'll put us in a really good position. And it will always, and it has a supportive supervisor we require that and that's an absolute requirement if the supervisor doesn't want it why put yourself and the operators who work there through this so you use the laminated map in this way it isn't that you do the laminated map but you make sure it gets done and you play your part senior manager to be the decision maker either when there is a we're stuck we can't uh, reach a consensus or you're controlling the faucet and you say enough. So that's the task. If you want to know more about the laminated map, search it on our uh, podcast and you'll get two or three other podcasts on this that goes into this detail much more completely. The next task for today, which is number five on our list of 25, is your improvement time policy. It is a published policy. It is a published document about improvement time, separating it from production time. Any company that is committed to an excellence journey is already running full tilt. 
a company that is not yet at full tilt is usually not on this journey. They're dealing with whatever is the struggle in their work. Companies that want to begin a transformational conversion and visuality is need to establish an official improvement time policy. If they don't, very little improvement will ever happen in that enterprise. In the battle between operations and improvement for adequate time, operations will always win. And that is as it should be. The company is in business to deliver products and services that its operations create, and without an established improvement time policy, there is a real danger that needed improvement will never happen. So the improvement time policy is to say, we've decided that improvement time has an important role to play in our stability and our growth. Improvement will never turn into a habit if we leave it only to those people who are willing, who see the vision burning brightly before them, who eke out small pockets of time to make magic happen. Because in their determination to find a way, these few people, these quiet heroes, do themselves and the company a bit of harm. Because when they, dis when they succeed... In the absence of a clearly defined improvement time policy, they unintentionally send the message that separate time is not needed. Wise indeed is the executive, you, who sees through this double think and takes steps to establish an improvement time policy, period. And these steps are quite simple. If you go to your membership box, if you are a member of uh, the Visual Thinking website, visualworkplace.com, you will find a packet in there for improvement time. It's the template that we use that says we are committed to improvement and because we are, we are going to set aside this much time per person per week. We have that template in there. And the policy is developed. It has a rationale to it. It says how much time and it says how it's going to be tracked. And then the packet includes a tracking device so that you can keep track of improvement time. And it becomes official. You sign it. You, the ranking side executive, sign it. But you know what? By signing the document doesn't really make this document operational it's just simple it is simply signaling now we've got to make it work we got to figure out how to make it work so you write the policy senior exec and then you say let's get it on its feet you always allow your your supervisors to be in charge of the faucet in this case they're in charge of time because they are responsible held accountable for the output and they need production time to do so. And you'll hit a wall of resistance that says, you're not going to take any of my time. I already can't meet my quotas. I'm already scrambling. I can't give up one minute. Go away, please. <laughs> this is what your supervisors will say to you. But you have to allow them to work it out. And you'll wait to see whether they can find time. And I almost guarantee you they will not. And the way that you un 
how do we say this, unlock their resistance is you say after you give it a couple of weeks and nothing happens, nothing happens, and you say, you know what, guys, I'm looking for a volunteer. I'm looking for some brave soul who will give me one hour next week. I'm going to go down the road. I'm going to go down the hall and get myself a Pepsi because it's my favorite drink. And when I come back, I just want one volunteer who says, yes, sir, I'm going to find or ma'am, I'm going to find an hour next week. And you leave the room and you come back and there'll be one volunteer. But there'll be three others who are going to try it out without telling you. And that's the way you crack the code on time. This is your responsibility. To crack the code on time can fall in no one, no one's lap except your own because you are in control of the big faucet, which says we may take a bit of a nick on delivery time in your department because we are grappling with how to operationalize improvement time. It's very, very, very important, and you will be successful. You know, in some small companies, I'm thinking of several now, one in Michigan and another one in Minnesota, they were so small, just uh, 150 people, that they couldn't find improvement time. Uh, They couldn't find a way to, to use improvement time during the work week because all of their flow was locked in terms of if you take one person off, out to do improvement utilizing the improvement time policy that person would you would you would start building whip in that area it's just the way that the the value stream was manned and so they chose to close down one saturday a month people would be paid time and a half they could come in as a volunteer They were not required to come in, but if they wanted to come in for three hours and work on improvement time, they would get time and a half, and this was the solution. But there are other ways to work it, and I want to direct your attention again to probably two or three podcasts on improvement time over the last five, six years that you can listen to, and uh, that will explain it to you, and then go to the box, your free box as a member and get the, that, that template out and look at it. I'm also going to ask uh, Derek to put in a recording that I made probably 15 years ago, but it will also help you think through improvement time and just download it and listen to it while you're in the car. I want to inspire you, to incite you to take this on. It's very, very important. I haven't given you all the ins and outs and all the rationale, but it is one of the 25 tasks. It is one of the top seven that senior managers have to engage in. So I'm now going to move to the next task, which is getting your supervisors on board. Getting your supervisors on board may seem to be a given because your supervisors are already Employees, why wouldn't they be on board with improvement? That's part of their job. But if you're implementing visuality, it really does represent a change for supervisors in how they conduct themselves. How, as it were, they supervise during the improvement training period. 
And we're going to ask supervisors, or you're going to ask on behalf of Gwendolyn, to do this a new way, a way that will be uncomfortable for them, but it is mission critical if you want to get the kind of results that I've spoken of, a 15 to 30% increase in productivity from your operators. When the supervisor is doing his or her normal operations-related tasks, everything is as per normal. Nothing changes. They simply do their work. They're in charge. They're the boss. They may be very good coaches. They may do supervisor standard work. All of those things just hold. But when you're doing a visual conversion, and I'll start this and then we have to go to our next break and I'll build it afterwards. When you're doing a visual conversion on the operator level, one of your main focuses is to build the strength of your operators, for them to come out, for them to feel the power in empowerment, for them to think and to invent and to solve and to become masters of what I call masters of the science of motion. I'm taking as a given that you are familiar with my model. I've been talking about it for five years, about the importance of operators finding the information deficits which are invisible in their work area. They can only find it through the footprint of the deficit, which is motion moving without working, and then removing the information deficit through solutions that are visual and automatically also erasing the motion. For that to happen, your operators must become eye-driven. They must feel the power in empowerment. And I'll pick this up after our last break. I'll be here when you get back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, 
Back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn. We're in the last part of our show today, and we are at a very important point where we're talking about power distribution, and we're talking about you as the senior manager responsible to make sure that that redistribution of power happens. And one of the major ways you do this is by getting your supervisors on board within the principles of eye-driven visuality. The change that you want to have happen is not just a physical change of your work areas, that they become more visual or visual in a way that is dazzling. You want that change to happen through the people who work there, the operators, so that you're building a new competency in your workforce on the operator level. And the only way that can happen in most organizations, yours indeed may be an exception, you may have self-driven high high performance teams, you may have cracked the code on what I'm about to say already, in which case your supervisors are already aligned. But if that is not so, your supervisors need to get on board in a way that aligns with the values and outcomes that operator-led visuality is made for, and that is to strengthen our operators so that they stand strong and independent in their own power to do what? To think and to implement. They're not going to stay to coup. (laughs) There's not going to be any overthrow of the local government. You are simply strengthening them so that they know that part of their job is to think and to implement. And to do that, in most organizations, you must ask supervisors to step back, to not supervise the improvement, to not supervise training outcomes. We'll get to it later, but the trainers are responsible for that. The trainers are responsible for the outcomes, at least in my model, not your supervisors. Because to have your supervisors be in a position of authority for production, which is very directive, and also for improvement, is to ask your supervisors to flip their persona instantly all the time. It will make them crazy, and it will also confuse operators. Because somebody who is very directive one moment, and the next moment says, what do you think? You know what? I'm not going to tell you what I think because I'm going to wait for you to tell me what I think because you're the directive supervisor. So you you do not have to implement this, senior managers. And I'm going to be talking next week. I'm going to begin by talking about this more. But what you have to do is make sure that it happens. And it sounds something like this. You meet with the project coordinator. Remember the three-legged stool? what we call the visual workplace coordinator, and you say, I'm going to be talking to supervisors today. I'm seeing them in groups of 10. I'm going to be talking to them about the importance of the eye-driven methodology. And I want to make sure that you're ready to take their questions, their detailed questions. I do not want to answer a mess of questions during these meetings. I simply want people to know that I support it and that we need it as a company And that we are learning together because of the three outcomes. One of them is to show up, stay open, and learn. 
that we're going to learn how to do this together and there'll be a few stumbles along the way, but it's important for our growth and it is important for our stability. And so you as the senior manager, you say, supervisors, I want you to get on board. This will be a little bit unusual, but I have examined this methodology. I am the person who has signed off on its importance and this particular aspect of eye-driven visuality for our operators is going to help us mightily. I stand behind it. I want you to know. It's called eye-driven, and you're going to be meeting with your trainers next week so they can explain to you before we launch in about three weeks. Please keep your questions coming. They're, they're going to become experts. We're all going to become experts on this, but we're also right now all learning. I simply want you to know that this is one of the main reasons why I said yes to this methodology because of this particular characteristic. That's what we mean by get your supervisors on board. You don't have to train them and you don't have to be responsible for following up. You simply need to lead to say, we're going in this direction. This is the direction. And you, executive, will learn more as they learn more. There's so much written, endless podcasts. So many of my books have this. You can read chapter four that begins, Will I Be the Hero of My Own Life? in my blue book, Visual Workplace, Visual Thinking. So I'm going to say the same thing now about maintenance. If you are a straight manufacturing, fabrication, welding, machining, assembly, your maintenance has a very important role to play. It's different if you're in an office. It's different in your, if you're in healthcare or a government agency. But if you're in a depot or a factory, utilities, any kind of manufacturing, fabrication, processing, your maintenance has to be on board. And you, as the ranking side executive, need to declare it because your maintenance group is always busy. They're keeping your machines running. And the people, you know, who are, mm, I better not go down that road. But at any rate, maintenance tends to live and work in a tunnel. And you have to break that silo and say, uh, team, you're talking perhaps to the director, or maybe you've called all the maintainers together, having spoken to the director of maintenance first the chief and said we're going to we're going to launch and say we're going to launch this initiative it's called work that makes sense it's a visual conversion you'll learn more about it but this is going to be a part of your job now we've negotiated with your chief Marianne over there Marianne is the head of maintenance and she has given us 2% of your time to get to dedicate to the visual conversion. I know that may seem like a lot, and it, it, it actually is a lot, 2% of your time, but we're going to figure out a protocol, a way to capture that 2% to use it to the best benefit of the areas that are going through the conversion, and we're going to start slow and build, so don't worry, we're not going to overwhelm you. We have targeted areas, I'll be announcing them on Monday. We found them through our laminated map. We know where to begin. We have said yes to the few and wait to the many. 
and you're going to be a part of this, and we are so glad. And I've also asked Marianne to please assign one one person to come to the training and to follow the training throughout so that you become acquainted. We will, at some later date, also train you. But we're going to work with the assembly areas first. So I simply want you to know about it. And that's what this task is about. Using your position, your positional authority to say, this is important, pay attention. So we're at the end of our show today. I hope you found it useful. I haven't given you all the gritty details because what we're talking about is senior management tasks, which is has a minimum of hands-on and a maximum of pointing out the right direction. Today we talked about developing your laminated map, publishing your improvement time policy, getting your supervisors on board with eye-driven visuality, and getting your maintenance on board. Mm? Thank you very much. We'll continue our list next week. Let the workplace speak. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.